You're listening to episode 180 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today's topic is finding community as a nomad with Katie Axelson. You're listening to Christian Travelers Network, the podcast and platform where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Well, Christian Travelers, I'm so glad that you're here today because today we have an awesome guest who's going to share a little bit about her time traveling nomadically and doing short-term missions. But before we dive into that, I want to once again point you to our website, christiantravelers.net. We are here to help you connect with like-minded travelers so you feel supported and understood wherever your adventures take you. And that includes our online platform, where you can share your travel stories, connect with other travelers, and find local worship areas wherever your adventures bring you to. But without further ado, Katie Axelson is an author, pastor, and host of Have Hope Will Travel podcast, and where she celebrates differences and learns to love people well. Hey, Katie, how are you doing? I'm great, Sarah. How are you? I'm doing good. So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you started traveling. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually um, never left the country until I was a college student. My first, um, I did a short-term mission trip as a high school student after Hurricane Katrina, but that was obviously in the States. And then in college, at one point, I decided to go on a mission trip to Guatemala One of our um, professors told all of our parents at orientation, get your kids a passport now. And our parents were like, but why? And he's like, because I'm going to take them abroad. He goes, if I can't take them abroad for a year, I'll take them abroad for a semester. If I can't take them abroad for a semester, I'll take them abroad for a summer. If I can't take them abroad for a summer, I'll take them abroad for a week. But get them a passport because I'm going to take them abroad. Um, I actually (laughs) never went abroad with that particular professor, but I was glad he encouraged that because I did Mm. go abroad my, my sophomore year for the very first time. I went on a short-term mission trip to Guatemala. We were working in a children's home in Chimaltenango, Guatemala, and um, it just blew my mind sometimes to be walking around and be like, I'm not in the States right now. I'm in Guatemala, <laughs> like all the time, the way, that, the way that it hits the first time. And then I had studied Spanish since I was in fifth grade, and that was the first time I got to like be talking to someone besides my teacher who was like actually a native Spanish speaker. And I was like, oh, my gosh, like this language, I actually need to use this language. Um, It made me want to actually learn Spanish. (laughs) Um, I did end up studying abroad again later in college. Um, So at that point, it just kind of became normal for me. And I kind of was just looking for reasons to travel and excuses to travel and started doing short term missions. Obviously, those couple trips, but then I'm primarily doing short term missions because, well, hey, it was a cheap way to travel if I can fundraise it. Um, Then it's it's an easy way to get to see the world and to um, to be part of, of Christian community. Like I don't want to do anything without Jesus. So, um, getting to do that felt like a great way to do it at the time. I have some reservations about short-term missions now, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more, but it was a great introduction to travel. And since then I have been to, um, oh, I should have counted. Um, I have a map wall on my wall in my living room, actually with pictures of all the different places that I've been. You can find it on Instagram. Um, but probably like 25 different countries. Um, most oh, continents, I haven't made it to Australia or Antarctica yet, but they're on the list. Don't worry. 
<laughs> That's awesome. So that little trip in college and the encouragement from your professor really scratched yeah. that travel bug itch. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I can't get enough. Yeah. I will just stare at the map wall and be like, okay, where should I go next? Can I just buy flights <laughs> randomly? Like, we need to have a plan. Do we need to have a plan? We don't need to have a plan. <laughs> um, speaking of, do you have yeah. your next travel destination planned? Ooh, good question. So this is still like a year out, but it is consuming all of my thoughts right now. There will probably tri be trips between now and then, um, but I'm going to go to Turkey next fall. Um, I yeah. just bought my flights that are going to involve a 24-hour layover in London by myself. I've never solo traveled before, so I'm excited for that. And then um, one of my friends will meet up with me in Istanbul. That's awesome. Yeah. And Actually, one exciting. of my friends and one of her friends, so I will have two friends in Istanbul with me. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. My first solo trip, well, like I flew internationally on my own. It was supposed to be um, mm -hmm. a mission trip and um, all of the other people were supposed to meet up in the Chicago airport because of a big rainstorm. Oh, no. We got delayed. So I went all the way to Ghana by myself. Wow. Um, which was very intimidating, but then yeah. obviously they joined me there. So um, good I, luck. Got left, I, I had the opposite problem. I got left in New York and then had to oh. fly and meet up with my team in Uganda. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it was nice. fine. It was actually it was fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, good. Yeah. Um, so you kind of ended up doing kind of a nomadic lifestyle traveling yeah. pretty frequently. Can you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. So. I started my career post-college as a freelance writer, which basically meant that I could um, be wherever I wanted and do whatever I wanted. Um, and I basically wrote whatever people would pay me to write or edit. Um, and so it's kind of started, well, separately, but now that I think about it and reflect on it, kind of started in the States. Like I would just pack up my little Toyota Corolla and tell my parents I'll be back when I get back and um, drove around the country and was traveling for like a month each time. Um, obviously, with technology, I could inform my parents of where I was, but literally, I would—I was on the road in multiple states for a month, two different times, mm -hmm. um, which was super fun. I would just stay with friends or um, travel, or like my siblings or family members or whatever. Basically, round and my parents lived in Wisconsin. Basically, went everywhere from Wisconsin to Alabama, up to West Virginia, over to Michigan, and then back around. So, like all the states in that whole section, I kind of covered. Mm -hmm. Um, which was super fun. And then I could still work and do that. And, um, part of, part of that actually was, um, or what, what came next is I went on a short-term mission trip that was 11 months long. So technically still short-term because it's under a year. That's kind of where the line is between the two. Um, and it was actually a series of short-term mission trips. So it was 11 different countries over the course of those 11 months. So I basically backpacked across Latin America I wasn't alone. Obviously, I have never solo traveled. I was with people, but um, getting to travel from, we went to Puerto Rico, which is not technically a different country, but Puerto Rico, Dominican Republic, Ecuador, Peru, Bolivia, Panama, Costa Rica, Nicaragua, Honduras, El Salvador, and Guatemala, um, all in a year. <laughs> nice. Which was super fun. Was this yeah. the world race? It was the world race, yes. Very nice. Um, I've personally considered doing the world race before, yeah. but... Um, mm -hmm. What was your experience with it? I always tell people everything fell somewhere between awful and awesome. <laughs> it, it's one of those things that 
I'm glad I did it. I have no need to do it again. (laughs) So definitely some positive adventures, definitely some not so positive adventures. Um, But I've got a lot of really ridiculous stories. That's awesome. Um, Mm -hmm. So were you working and doing your like working remotely at the same time or were you specifically on mission during that time? Um, Good question. I had two freelance clients that one like just wasn't gonna let me go (laughs) um and so I just really scaled back what I couldn't couldn't do um and then the other one was a contract that I wasn't able to finish up before I left and so I finished up those two or finished up the one contract like six months into my race and then um, maintained the other client more as a relationship than actual current work um but mostly I was just on mission Um, and after that race, did you continue to kind of travel internationally? Um, you have visited 25 different countries or what did life after that look like? Yeah. So life after that, I didn't really know what I was doing next. Um, I knew that after living out of a backpack and sleeping on the floor for a year, I would like to settle somewhere for at least a little while. And Mm -hmm. so I had a friend who lived in Minnesota and she had a vacant townhouse and she goes, just go live in my house. So it's not vacant over the winter and figure out what you want to do. And that was supposed to be a three-month move because I went straight from um, sunny, gorgeous Guatemala of 80 degrees every day to um, Minnesota in January. That was my best life decision. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Um, To live in her townhouse that didn't even have internet. Um, I was like, that's the one thing I need to work. She's like, yeah, we don't have that. But we have coffee shops. And I was like, okay. Um, That was supposed to be a three-month move while I figured out what I wanted. Well, um, what are we at? Seven and a half years later, I'm still here in Minnesota. Um, I don't live in her townhouse anymore. I bought my own. Um, But I do still travel. Travel is still part of my life. I'm kind of always looking for an excuse to get out of the country. Um, So since then, I've done, I've been back to Guatemala. I've done um, a short-term mission trip to Europe, went to Cuba. um, And then I kind of paused doing short-term missions for a while because I was questioning if this was actually beneficial to the community we were serving, if it was actually a beneficial use of funds, like all of those kinds of questions. Um, And so I went to Cuba in April of 2017 and then didn't travel internationally again until um, actually this past summer. Travel internationally on short-term missions until this past summer. Um, And part of that was like I was in grad school and part of that was the pandemic and just a lot of things. But I was also personally wrestling with like, how do I feel about short-term missions? Um, and, And how are we actually positively impacting the community here? Um, and then found an organization that I liked that their their methodology on short-term missions. And I thought, I want to see this in action. And so I went to Uganda this last summer. Okay. So. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people do wrestle with short-term missions. Like yeah. on one hand, we're bringing the gospel, but oftentimes it's um, not with a deep relationship. It's, mm-hmm. it's short. And so um, you, the long-term impact isn't always there. What were right. some of those things that you were wrestling with as you were considering yeah. short-term? Yeah. So, um, I've done short-term missions on like five different continents with probably six different organizations. So I've done everything from like a construction trip in Appalachia here in the States to, I spent considerable time, like a month teaching English in China um, obviously I lived in Latin America for a while. I've prayer walked through good portions of Germany. Like, um, I've done it all. I've seen it all. Um, and I've seen it done well and I've seen it done really poorly. 
And I think that a lot of it comes from the idea of like, we're not bringing God to this place. He's already there. And so what does it look like is kind of my mindset is what does it look like to partner with God and what he's already doing and wherever it is that we're going? And so what Mm -hmm. does it look like to be in a place where you're actually invited, not just being like, I want to take a a group to Kenya, let's go. But like actually having a point of contact in Kenya who's like, can you please come? And this is what we would Mm -hmm. like to do. Then you think about how are we actually like positively impacting this community? Like you think about if you're visiting a children's home or an orphanage, okay, a lot of children in children's homes or orphanages already have attachment issues. And are we coming in for a week, building a relationship with this kid? This kid thinks I'm the most awesome thing ever. And then I leave and I never see them again. I'm only Mm -hmm. reinforcing their attachment trauma. Um, I'm not positively impacting that. Or like I've done a lot of manual labor in my mission work, um, which as you can tell, I'm real buff and really love manual labor. Um, I've painted in like 12 different countries. Um, I think that makes me an internationally known painter, right? Um, But like if I fly to say Peru to paint a wall, first of all, that was an expensive flight. Second of all, like that means a skilled laborer locally is not able to do that job because I have done it. And not only is that income for them and their family, like it would be way, way better done if they were, if they were doing it themselves. Or like if I'm building something, okay, not only did I take the job from a skilled laborer, is whatever I constructed even safe? Like, that's just a real question. And then you think about, like, I've seen houses that my community was part of building. I've seen them again a couple years later, and they're vacant. And it's like, well, why why did we send a team here to help you build this house, take away the job from the skilled laborer, build a house for it to sit overgrown in weeds? How are we actually positively impacting this community or are we just implementing what we think is the right thing to do? Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that that happens here in the States too. Like we can't, I can't just talk about international missions. Like I think about, I'm a church that I was part of, had an inner city ministry and there were some girls at our inner city ministry. And of course this is summertime and they're running around without shoes on. And somebody from our group was just very deeply moved that these little girls don't have shoes. So figured out what size shoes they wore went out and bought some shoes. The next week we were there. So we actually had like continual relationship with these people. Um, We saw them just about every week and brought them some shoes, gave them some shoes, very excited about it, very emotional. Look like I got to give these poor kids some shoes. Um, The next week they're barefoot again. What happened to your shoes? Oh, they're at home. I didn't want to wear them. The kids weren't barefoot because they didn't have shoes. They were barefoot because they didn't want to wear shoes. Um, But we didn't take the time to get to know them well enough to know this is actually what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. Or towards the end of summer, they started asking us, like, are you going to do like a school supplies drive? And we're like, we weren't planning on it. Why? And they're like, because we have to buy school supplies. And we're like, well, okay. Like, what's your plan to buy school supplies? They're like, oh, you're going to buy them for us. We're like, I can see your manicured nails. I can see your iPhone. Like, why? Why? Why are we buying you school supplies kind of thing? And they were like, oh, because like we spent our money on these manicured nails instead. Oh, okay. Are we actually having a positive impact here or are we not? Um, And so Mm -hmm. things like that and those experiences like that just kind of made me question, is this actually something that's helpful um, or is it not? And is there an alternative? Yes, that certainly does pose a lot of good questions Um, in your exploration or just as you've pondered it. Um, Mm -hmm. What do you think it would look like to actually just join God, join Jesus in what they're already doing in community? Yeah. How do we change that mindset? 
Yeah. Um, I think it starts with where you are right now. Like where are you living and breathing and working right now? Um, think about your coworkers, okay? Before you got to work there, God was already working there. And so what does it look like to be celebrating what God is already doing? Whether it's got his name attached to it or not, what are the really awesome people-loving things that are happening in the community where you work? How are you honoring people well? How are you respecting them well? How are you seeing the fruit of the Spirit on display, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. I think I missed one, faithfulness. Um, How are you seeing each of those things on display in what you're already doing there? And then thinking about like, okay, if you are going to go someplace, why are you going someplace? Because if you're going to paint a wall, if you're going to visit an orphanage, um, maybe reconsider. But if you're going to, because you've got a local contact there who has invited you to come in for this very specific reason, that is something that only you, only you can do as in like a local can't do it or wouldn't do it as efficiently, maybe is the best way to phrase it, then maybe it's a good opportunity to go. Like, for example, if you're going to teach English, it's way better to learn a language from a native speaker. So can you go to teach English, maybe to teach English teachers English so that they can continue the cycle um, of teaching English to students or whoever is the next person to learn? Maybe that's a good idea to partner with God and what he's already doing there. Or like my most recent trip, um, I partnered with an organization called Kindred Exchange that asks a lot of these same types of questions and has these same types of like concerns. And which made me interested and I was like, I'm willing to, I want to see it. I want to see it in action and I'm willing to try this different mindset of, of short-term missions. And they had a group of entrepreneurs in Uganda who wanted to launch businesses, who want to launch businesses. They're actively doing it right now. Um, and so we went to encourage them, to give them some basic business training. But they, the local entrepreneurs, the Ugandans, are the ones with the visions they're the ones doing the hard work. They're the ones that are making these dreams a reality. We're just standing there going, you can do it. How do you make sure your income is greater than your expenses? Like, how are you going to market this? Like, really just chatting with them of like, you're the one doing the hard work here. We're just here to partner with you to make sure that your business is going to actually be viable, to make sure that you're going to have a positive impact on your community, um, and to make sure that you know that someone is in your corner cheering for you. I really liked that business model. Um, or that short-term mission model of business as mission. Um, because poverty is complicated, right? Um, all short-term missions aren't necessarily poverty-based, but poverty is complicated. And education is one of the best ways we can get out of it and help people move forward um, to break that cycle of poverty. Um, within all of this, it sounds like just relationship is such a big part. And sometimes I think we get in our heads a little bit too much about starting that first conversation. Mm -hmm. If someone's in that kind of space right now where they think the Lord's kind of leading them some way, um, Mm -hmm. how would you suggest taking that first step? Yeah. Um, First step like towards a trip or first step towards like partnering with God with what he's already doing or first step towards building a relationship with someone they don't know. (laughs) Maybe a little bit about all of them, but specifically the relational piece. The relationship piece. Yeah. Um, So if this is allowed, I actually have a resource on my website that I just released this week about um, how to start a conversation with someone who's different than you are. And to be honest, Mm -hmm. it's ultimately really simple. 
um, the, the resource has like seven practical questions that you can ask to get the conversation going. But it's really be interested, be willing to learn, just listen. Don't make it like the goal of the conversation to insert your own experience or even ask a really great follow-up question, but just seek to understand, want to listen, want to hear that perspective, want to know more, um, invest in the relationship, and then ask, like, I heard somebody else say this. Is that your same experience or do you have a similar experience? Do you know of any resources where I can learn more? Because it shows that you're continually interested. Obviously, if you ask for more resources, take advantage of the resources that they have recommended. Go get them from the library if you don't want to spend money on them. Libraries still exist. Download it <laughs> offline. Buy the book. Watch the movie. Whatever it is. Like, Take the time to listen. You could even come, a, come to the person with a like, hey, I heard this podcast. I heard this. Um, do you agree with that? Can you tell me a little bit more than what was said? Like, that's what Have Hope Will Travel is all about, is the space to have those conversations started so that you can have those conversations in your real life, too. That's awesome. Thanks. Well, Katie, we're nearing the end of our podcast. What are some other tips or wisdom that you would like to share with the Christian travelers on today's podcast? Ooh, that's such a great, like, broad question. Um, I would say... Don't be afraid to try. Um, even if it means like you do it wrong, you're, you're going to get it wrong, unfortunately. Um, even on my Uganda trip, as our whole team has some sort of traumatic background with short-term missions or other like significant background with short-term missions, we had moments where we had to sit back and hold each other accountable and be like, okay, that's the old way to do things. How are we going to do this in a more positive way? Um, like just what what is the impact going to be here and what we did is we ended up fund um, anything that like required fundraising um we did through the local church so that the local ugandan church was that were the people who were like blessing the economy and investing in the economy obviously it came from us but they don't know that directly um and so the more out of the picture that we could step ourselves um the more hidden that we could be and the more light that we could shine in the local church um was the way that we wanted to do everything so i would say my advice for travelers is um Pick some place that's a little bit uncomfortable, but not ridiculously uncomfortable, and start there. If that's a physical location, like go to Guatemala. Honestly, it's a pretty easy country. Go to Costa Rica. It's an even easier country. Panama is a pretty easy country. Um, most of Central America is. Nicaragua, Honduras are a little bit, little bit harder. Um, but pick an easy country. Start there. Pick an easy relationship. Start there. Like it doesn't. You don't have to have a conversation about race with a stranger, please don't. In fact, that'd be weird. And you probably like should get punched. Um, but have a conversation with like your friend who's a different Enneagram and be like, okay, tell me how you think about this. Tell me how you think about that. Or um, ask a friend who maybe celebrates a different holiday. Hey, I know that you're celebrating Diwali this weekend. Like, can you tell me what that holiday is and how are you celebrating? What is it all about? Because while Diwali is like not a Christian holiday, it's a Hindu holiday. There's actually a lot of similarities between what the holiday is celebrating and who Jesus Christ represents. So find the common ground um, in that. Don't compare them, try to compare them, but like celebrate. Hey, you have an awesome holiday. Thank you so much for teaching about the holiday of light. I It really blessed me and I could resonate with a lot of what you said. Easy. Mm. Start easy. 
That's awesome. Thank you. Um, The other question that I always ask our guests is what has been the biggest God moment in all of your travels? Ooh. Hmm. There have been so many. Um, The, like, the moments when I see God show up the most are the moments that just feel ridiculous um, or um, frustrating and don't work out that way. So like I think about I was in France and we had gone out to a to a town and I had ordered myself a sandwich in French. I don't speak French. I speak Spanish. But I had ordered myself a sandwich in French. I was so proud of myself. I even asked for the receipt. I felt like I was rocking it. And then I took a big giant bite of my sandwich and it tasted like tuna. And tuna is like one of the very few things that I can't eat. Like I just don't like it. Like it makes me gag. Um, And I was like, oh, shoot. (laughs) That French sandwich you were so proud of yourself for ordering is tuna. (sighs) And so I just said, dear Jesus, I don't want to taste the tuna of this sandwich. And I know tricks to eat things where you don't have to taste the flavor of them. I wasn't utilizing those tricks. I was just eating my sandwich. It was really good. And then I got to the bottom of it, like the last bite or whatever, and I handed it to my friend. And I was like, can you tell me what meat this was that I just ate? My local friend. Can you tell me what meat this was that I just ate? And he like stuck his finger in it and like took a took a finger full of it. And he goes, oh, that's tuna. And I was like, yeah, that's what I thought. I didn't taste a bit of it. <laughs> so thank you, Jesus, for protecting my taste buds from the tuna. Um, like as ridiculous of a story as that is, it reminds me that like God sees and God cares even about the little moments even about Mm. my food preferences, like as something as simple as tuna, he can protect my taste buds about because that's what I asked him to do. And he did it and he is good and he is faithful in that way. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Um, It has been a pleasure having you on the podcast. How can our listeners connect with you outside of today's episode? Yeah, absolutely. So my internet home is katieaxelson.com. That's A-X-E-L-S-O-N.com, katieaxelson.com. Um, you can connect with me there. That's where you can find links to my Instagram, to my podcast. It's called Have Hope Will Travel. Um, like you said, it's built around the idea that when we travel, we get to know people who are different than we are. We hear different stories. We better understand different perspectives. We learn to stand with people instead of just having opinions on issues. So those are probably the best ways to get a hold of me. Or shoot me an email, katie at katieaxelson.com. Thank you. And we yeah. will make sure to have those in the section below. It has been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thank you. Well, Christian travelers, I hope that you have really enjoyed hearing Katie's story and that it has encouraged you to consider the pros and cons of short-term mission. And as you weigh some of those, um, I also encourage you to check out episode 178, Finding Friends on Mission with David and Heather Counselor, and episode 34, 31 Weeks of Travel with Royce. Um, But thank you again for listening today. And until next time, safe travels and God bless.